Today's TripCast is presented by The Nature Conservancy. The Nature Conservancy strives to protect and restore the natural systems that sustain the environmental, economic, and social health of our communities while developing solutions to humanity's most pressing global challenges. For more information, visit nature.org slash Texas. Texas talking. Oh, what was that that you said? Texas talking. Oh, gonna hoop upside your head. Texas talking. Tell me who can. everybody. Uh, welcome to another weekly installment of the TribCast. This is Jeff Blackburn with the Innocence Project of Texas talking. And i got to tell you, you know, originally our Texas Constitution provided for not a legislature that met 90 days every two years, but two days every 90 years. Well, it got misprinted, and here we are. So I guess we're just going to have to suffer through. With that said, hope you uh, have a good time listening to the podcast this week. And here's your host, my good friend, Reed. Thank you. This is reporter Reed Hamilton here with the TribCast. Reed, Reed Hamilton. Steve Hamilton. <laughs> Reese. Here with the TribCast for the third week of December. I'm joined by CEO and editor-in-chief Evan Smith. No, we're all going to answer to Reed today. Reed. Executive editor Ross Ramsey. It's 140 days. That's all I'm going to say about that. Did but he get anything right in that intro? Two years. Two years Only is correct. Reed's name. We think he had his name right. It's obviously <laughs> the innocence and not the accuracy project. <laughs> oh. Zing. Zing. Editor Emily Ramshaw is also here. I am. It's true. I'm back from down under. We have the whole team back together. Emily Reedshaw. What? What? <laughs> Inside the mind of Evan Smith. <laughs> I get a lot of emails addressed to Emily Rickshaw. Do you, Do you really? Yes, which no. I think is very strange. Well, or Eram, Mr. Eram Shaw. It's true that you spend most of the time. <laughs> is that right? A ton of emails. E People cannot believe Shaw? that I'm female, so it has to be Eram. Eram Shaw sounds like a you know Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. sort of a you know, right. name. Sexism. <laughs> what a perfect transition. I think Eram Shaw is who Christian Bale plays in the new Ridley Scott movie. Eram Shaw sounds like some Mormon uh, dignitary. Speaking of Christian Bale, did you see the the Terrence Malick trailer, the trailer for the yeah, Terrence Malick movie. I did. Oh my God, I was, I never thought I'd be nostalgic for those dinosaurs walking on the beach <laughs> from that last movie. That but seventeen hour movie. Oh my Save it for God. our movie review. Podcast. Jessica Chastain is whispering, "Father, mother," <laughs> all that stuff. That Boy, movie was terrible. We found out just how bad she can be in that Interstellar movie. She was terrible. I haven't seen Whoa. it. This is not the podcast we're supposed to be having. Uh, has I anyone seen? Has anyone watching Interstellar? Is anyone what, watching Peaky Blinders on Netflix? <laughs> I like the way he tried to write the write the direction of this thing, and then suddenly, you know, he just blew squirrel. it. He just well, totally blew you it. You guys have actually veered off into topics I find much more interesting. I'd prefer to talk about. Cereal. Why don't we have a film podcast? It's the, it's the internet TV it's, podcast. It's the Christmas here. movie version of the yeah. Tripcast. Maybe uh, maybe for Christmas, that's what we can get. Okay. Hmm. Um, in New the paragraph. meantime, in the meantime, we have to talk about in the meantime, we're stuff stuck going on in Texas. In, in the meantime, politics. we're stuck reading Texas Monthly. Yeah. So uh, it's hey, the, shut up. It's the, <laughs> it's the end of the year, and so it's like uh, end of the year honors are coming out. It's sort of Oscar season for politicos, and we finally got our bum steer of the year is Wendy Davis, according to Texas Monthly, and the reaction has been mixed. I think the reaction was stronger to the picture on the front of Texas Monthly than it was to the actual award. You know, although somebody stopped me on the street today and said, shouldn't the bump steer of the year have been the voters for not turning out? And I said, if that was actually the way we thought about bump steers, we in the collective sense in the world, then that they would, would be have a- been the vote. They would have been bump steer of the year every year for the last 20 years. Actually, we did, years. A thing, we did a thing right. kind of like this on WFAA. Uh, we do a Sunday show. and um, But Kennedy and Jason Whiteley and I did our 
Um, I can't remember what they called it. I should know this. Um, drumsticks and gizzards, and, and the, the we gave bud a steer the of the year. Well, we gave we gave gizzards to the voters, you know, for for not showing up. So yeah, that but was our voters, so yeah, who but got the drumsticks? Yeah, but that's a totally boring cover. When are you going to put a whole bunch of voters? Oh, it was a TV on the cover? show, wasn't it? An empty ballot box. Right. Awesome. Snore. Huge right. newsstand sale. But but honestly, the the reality is, how do you look at the events of the last year and not judge Wendy Davis's defeat? Not just defeat, which was predicted, but Defeat worse than Tony Sanchez, you know, poorly run campaign as it was a not big, bump steer worthy, if not bump steer of the I year worthy. She, that, seem, that seems to me to be I a think tad, she's a absolutely wrong eyed worthy. I yeah. think the portrayal on the cover to me reeked of misogyny. I'm just going to go there. I mean, I don't, you know, there was a column by uh, Andrea Grimes, who formerly was a Texas Observer. Is she, she's still the Texas Observer media critic. Um, but this was in RH Reality Check. This was in RH Reality Check. And I agree with her on uh, very little, uh, especially her opinions on the Texas Tribune. But I did agree with the tenor of the column that she wrote about this, um, about the cover, because it just seemed like, you know, you have this woman like with exacerbated, terrible features, you know, stepping in a pile of shit. It just to me was like, you know, felt gross and excessive. It, it's you know it's a bump steer cover. I'm, Jump in, I'm not, men in the room. I'm not no, clean. Like I'm not clean cover. on this subject because I yes, was the editor know. of the magazine for a long time, and I was responsible in in large part for the uh, for the bump steer cover in collaboration with the art department and other people there for a long time. You know, I had a I had a hand on this for 15 years, 17 years at, at you know in one job or another. Your hands would have been all over that shit she's stepping in. Well, you know. <laughs> it, it, I, I believe that the choice of Wendy Davis as Bum Steer of the Year seems entirely legitimate. I'm to with me. you on that point. You know, I think that's fine. As far as the execution of the cover goes, you know, it's a subjective thing, and it always is. You it know, was there, grotesque. It, it was not grotesque, and I frankly don't think it's sexist. I think that had a man uh, been in that same situation, I think there would have been any number of opportunities to portray that man in the same way. I don't think that there's a uh, an intent here at all to somehow hold her up to any greater ridicule than number one anybody else would have been held up to, or that number two, or than number two anybody in the past has been held up to. You know, she is putting sort of a skimpy red dress on the cover. A skimpy red dress. It's a red dress. I mean, I you know, I look. I understand that some people feel like this cover is 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 mean or unfair to her, and and they're perfectly legitimate in feeling that way if they want to feel that way. It's subjective. It's art. You know, I think the substance of it, which is the choice of her as the bumpster of the year, feels to me, having been in these conversations before and having observed the last year, it, it, it doesn't even feel slightly illegitimate that she would be the bumpster of the well, year. Well, in Andrea's column, she takes offense at the notion that uh, the stand that Davis took in her filibuster would be mocked. And it doesn't seem to me that that – not the cover. Which is sort of not what this is about. This is about the campaign she ran – and she ran a bad campaign. Which did not really – which sort of steered far away from the whole uh, filibuster and abortion issues. She ran a bad campaign. That's what the bump steer of the year is about. She was a bump steer of the year last year, the year of the filibuster. She was bump steer of the year this year for the bad campaign she ran. She ran. I mean I- – She's like posed in this like you know exaggerated lady. Emily is looking at the ladylike pose with her hands sort of flipped up with these like manicured. 
ultra manicured long nails with like this little frilly thing around her waist and a big How set should of they, pearls. What she should you Joan Jet? They should put her in sort of a leather jacket and 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 thigh high boots. What do you what do you mean? They would she she looks like Wendy Davis looks. She doesn't look like Wendy Davis looks. Honestly, she's wearing a dress and pink Mizuno sneakers. What is the Help me back me up on this, Reeve. I think she looks like she's wearing like a bustier. She looks like she looks like <laughs> Wendy Davis as a French maid. She's wearing a dress. <laughs> she's like Wendy Davis as portrayed on a Mad magazine cover it's a, that it's, is designed to is, make her look it's bad. Parody, yeah. it's satire, and it's exaggerated. In the same way, I want to assure you that again, covers that I was involved with as the editor. You know, there was a year the year after redistricting. There was a cover that portrayed Rick Perry, Tom Craddock, Tom DeLay, and David Dewhurst as Larry Curley. Mo and Shimp, you know, as the Three Stooges well, or the four, the uh, four of them, sexist. obviously. <laughs> well, but it was it was they, they looked it was totally exaggerated. It was kind of Mad Magazine ish, I think, to a degree, probably that after the fact, as executed, we were not entirely happy with. Didn't sell very well. That's um, why they weren't happy. But with it was, it. A, yeah. but it was a, well, but but honestly, that's the thing. That's the calculation that anybody in that job. I'm not making a um, a quali- a qualitative judgment of of this cover for or against beyond saying that I think that the complaints about it is sexist or as somehow unfairly grotesque to Davis versus what it would be to anybody else or has been in the past. That that seems to me to be wrong. But I think the, the, the calculation here is you do a cover that's parody and satire. It's exaggerated because that's the nature of parody and satire often. And, you know, you leave it to people to decide whether they want to buy it or not. Uh, and I just I think that there's a problem with sort of this need to portray Davis as a the sort of I mean they're not giving her any agency the people that are sort of coming after this cover are not giving her any agency or giving her any credit for her role in her own campaign basically you know she ran that campaign and it didn't go well yeah I think the Bumsteer Award itself is you know sort of richly deserved this is one of those things if you face plant in public like this people laugh at you that's that's, that's the, the nature premise of these of things this pr- trip and that's the, that's the that's the premise of the Bumsteer Awards you know, it's sort of the Nelson and the Simpsons on the sideline going, ha ha, and and that's that's why she's there. I, I you know, uh, you you know, you can argue obviously about what the cover should or did look like, but you know, the the fact that she was the bumpster of the year, I think, is probably yeah, the rich. Davis supporters, and I don't want to specify Andrew Grimes because I don't know her, and I don't know whether she would put herself in the same category. But Davis supporters generally who complained after the election about the coverage of what went wrong, who complained about the stories about how Battleground Texas had spent all this money and hadn't actually accomplished what people had hoped for it to accomplish, or that the Davis campaign internally had had dysfunction and that that was somehow – people would – we would get calls here after, well, why are you reporting this stuff? It's not – it's not. We, we don't want to read this. It's not fair. But you know what? It's – ran a campaign, lost a campaign, lost badly. There's going to be postmortems on that stuff, and in some respects, I think the the idea of her somehow spared the bumpster of the year honors because people feel like, well, she but she tried, or you know, oh, but her issues were issues that we support, and so don't make fun of her. To me, that just seems like you're not really understanding the point here. If they had run a pretty smooth campaign, financed the way this campaign was financed, and lost to Greg Abbott by 12 points or so at about the rate that Bill White lost to Rick Perry. She wouldn't be on the cover. She of this may magazine. very well would not have been Bumpsteer of the Year in that case. Maybe they, under, would have they been... underperformed in a year when they were bragging about how they would overperform, and that's what sets up the the disparity that makes it a, a joke at the end of the campaign. So put her in a suit and put her standing in pink sneakers in a pile of shit. 
That's oh, sorry. I am I allowed to curse? But I thought you didn't like the shit on no, the cover. It's I. What I mind is what is the, the imagery is, be all is over the imagery one. poking fun at her femininity, which is is ob- it is it? It's yes. It's her it, with her it's, hands it's flipped very, up. It's like, a very feminine response to this. With her leg flipped up behind her, her you know chiseled calf flipped up behind her, you know, with in this little frilly dress with pearls, with her long nails and her hands in this like oh my god pose. It's the fem. It's the poking fun at the femininity that bothers. Yeah. Me, not the standing I, I don't think that's an unreasonable observation. I, I just didn't look at the cover and think to Thank myself. Being... Yeah, but you're a dude, so you wouldn't look at the cover and feel that way. Well, but you know what? As a dude who used to be the editor of that magazine and who had to do not just one cover a year but 12 for many years, I will tell you that you're constantly thinking about um, are you portraying whatever you're trying to portray in a way that's not going to run aground or, 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 or embarrass yourselves or offend people. And I think – I got to tell you, I don't look at this cover and go, this is a problem. Well, that's good, because neither did Texas Monthly. So. so who would have been the bum steer if not for Wendy Davis? Hmm. See, but I don't think that there was. I mean, it could have been if, you know, it could have been Ken Paxton, except that Ken Paxton won. I mean, he was in uh, his own little pile Ken of Paxton shit. holding a pen. <laughs> <laughs> this is not, hold it. This, no, no. You know, you know what magazine would have put Ken Paxton on the cover? Branch Monthly. Please. <laughs> nobody, speaking speaking of the aforementioned shit, nobody gave a shit about the Ken Paxton story. I'm, I'm trying to think about who else found Blake, themselves in any hot water over Blake the last Blake if he hadn't waited oh. until post-publication yeah, right. date. could have been. Interesting historical note here that there is a bump steer of the year or bump steer dead zone between the time that the issue comes out and the beginning of the next calendar year. So Wait, if you're going so to you do something, if you do something really stupid, you do oh, something. So you do it in December. Award, huh? In some so respects, a, it's actually hmm. this weird eleven month. You award. can't go back into the following. My my the... very specific recollection of how this went down all those years was that if you did something really bad, like right before Christmas, you were safe because it was after the issue came out. That's but a it shame was before because so much year. stupid stuff happens the, around. Yeah, the right. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly the opposite of what they tell kids you know, before Christmas. Emily, I understand. <laughs> I I really I I absolutely accept the idea that people from different perspectives mm-hmm. may view. These kinds of things differently. It's the same argument that's been made, by the way, not just about Texas Monthly, but about the media generally, that when the media has been racially segregated, right, so you have largely white people making decisions in newsrooms and there's coverage of Latino or African-American communities or issues, the the statement will occasionally come back. The coverage is insensitive somehow mm-hmm. to how people in those communities would perceive it because the people making the decisions are not those people. There are women who are involved in the leadership of Texas Monthly. Through whom this passed. Yeah, of course. So the interesting question that one would would ask in this case then would be, did those women believe this decision to be the wrong decision or the right decision? I would be curious to know what they thought. I think that they – I mean I saw some traffic on social media last night. Uh, I think Erica Greeter, who works at Texas Monthly, wrote a post uh, defending this decision that was quite Defending the decision as most of the year or defending the execution of the cover. Uh, I think it was mostly about defending the the decision, the bump steer decision. Yeah. So I don't know if I've heard too much particular back and forth about the specifics of the cover. I, I, I can't imagine that the people that are complaining about the cover would have said, great cover. You know, and I think anything with Wendy Davis on there as the bump well, steer that's would have provoked that, That's an interesting question. So let's assume that it had been, you know, the the pink Mizunos chewed up. In some mm-hmm. capacity or some – what if it had been – you know, there, for years and years, the way the bump steer cover went was it was an illustration of a steer 
in some capacity, and that was the the. the, the so what right, if you the had, steer was like dressed up as something? Well, like, what if you had a steer dressed as Wendy Davis, mm-hmm. uh, standing on the floor of the legislature of the Senate, a steer uh, and uh, pink with, with pink sneakers? Yeah. What if it had been that? I gotta get pink sneakers into the pile. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of like that vision. <laughs> If it had just been a pink sneaker standing in a in a cow patty and the leg extending off the page, that would have been pretty funny. I was I was hoping to steer us just so we could reminisce about Blake Farenthold's past week just a little bit, but you sidestepped it. If you'd like to fill us in on uh, what's been going on in his life, <laughs> nobody. I he's think it's he's really... accused in a lawsuit uh, by a former aide, legislative aide, um, yeah, a communications person, mm-hmm. right? Um, somebody worked in his congressional office of sexual harassment and. Andy's had and to admit to being the owner of BlowMe.org. Blow hyphen me. Blow hyphen me. Yeah. Is it .org? It's .org. Yeah, because it's a non-profit. Who gets there first? Man, how did we miss that URL? Well, it's coming up. For, he's not going to renew say. it, so it's it available. could be ours. Yeah. I'm available. sure there's already a bidding war. Yeah. Someone has the shot to build the BlowMe.org that Blake Farenthold never could. Why did he decide to purchase that in the first place? They put out a statement saying that he's was a, he's a con- computer so- consultant and was in the habit of buying up domain names. He figured he was going to get a lot of that from the porn industry. No, no, he was in the stealing fan business. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> how do you know what he meant? No, the whole the whole thing. And you know, the problem here's the problem. The, problem the air is conditioning. This, this is a guy who was famous during his first campaign for a picture of him. Right. In footed that PJs. In, in PJs with, like, you know, bikini girls, like like Bud Girls or Red, Bud, Red Bull Girls or some kind of like – Some sort of girls that Some sort of like uh, – <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was like Farenthal with a, with some Hot array of, of females. Yeah, it looked like a dumb frat trick. And so the problem is it's that guy who ends up the owner of blow-me.org and not, oh, I don't know, Lloyd Doggett. And then gets, a, <laughs> and then gets accused of sexually harassing his – Right. Employee, which we you know we don't know what the deal with that is no. obviously. Right. No, we do know that he owned that w- domain name. Blow me dot org. <laughs> so that would have been bumpsteer. Apparently, she has a problem point? with 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 the hyphen with shipped, but she has no problem with just saying blow me dot org over and over. <laughs> They're just words, <laughs> not pictures. Right, right. It's one thousand. Well, I don't know. Have you looked at the website lately? <laughs> <laughs> no, has it changed? I don't know. That's why I'm asking. None of us know, of course. <laughs> Um, Seen any other movies lately? Yeah. <laughs> Not that. Well, kind of movie. Movie. I liked it better when you were talking about Peaky Blinders. <laughs> Are you watching Peaky Blinders? Not it's good. Peaky Blinders. Oh, I recommend it to everyone listening. All I All watch right. is Chuck. Move on. The sponsor of our podcast next week. The, Move uh, hyphen on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So when, Wendy Davis got the bump steer of the year, and it looks like Rick Perry is going to get the academic building at Texas A&M University of the year of the year. Although there doesn't seem to be unanimous agreement that this is a good decision. Well, you know, the, all, all, there, there all a bunch of people is, are unhappy about it. All you need is five people, right? Right. Five regions to say okay to this. This is a How building. How is this not going to happen? Well, like, I, it's, I think it certainly will happen. They're, they're, the regions are going to meet, the A&M regions are going to meet tomorrow, tomorrow being Thursday. That We're recording this on Wednesday. He's like Mr. Texas A&M. And Governor they will, they're supposed A&M. to, all they're meeting about is to vote on a uh, sort of a declaration honoring Perry for his service and renaming the academic building, which is not just a sort of lowercase a, lowercase b. It's, it's the, the academic, academic building. Like the it's the building on iconic. campus with yeah. the dome on it. It was mm-hmm. designed by uh, Charlie Guerin's great-grandfather, um, who started the architecture school yeah. at A&M. That's kind of weird. And they're putting a weird title on this, It's right? going to be the Governor Rick Perry 72 building. What? Everybody you know in what? every every Aggie puts the, versions, puts the year versions on it, 1 you know? through 71 didn't work out. Yeah. So. He, he is the... Um, Longest-serving governor in the history of the state. 
I do not see how he's not worthy of some kind of building. Build. I mean, it's just, it's just, it seems like multiple buildings. Really, we can rename a city Perigrad. And this is a political. This is a this is politics. We haven't even a, started talking about the airport. He's done a lot. He's he's done a lot for A and M as governor. You know, uh, they have this sort of nascent biotech corridor thing going on that he largely helped shape. Uh, he's done more than a little bit for Texas A&M. I mean, he's yeah, he's been like central to a lot of their big progress in mm-hmm. the last decade. He helped move them to the SEC. You know, he's like, uh, uh, yeah, no, I agree. It's it makes sense. But people, so are the comments on these stories that I mean, we we posted about this yesterday. Yeah, who's opposed to this? And we have well, tons. Gawk, of, well, and, but but it's like national press has been in the same yeah. vein. You know, yeah, it's all Gawk, sort of Gawker, so, You know, the A and M is going to name a, a building after a D student. I think it was right. A, a lot a C student. A lot of it is sort of not a D student. Like if he had grades that were this bad in college, how could that college possibly have? some sort of monument to him. But I think there are lots of people out there that would sort of not like the idea that their accomplishments are entirely based on their grades in college. Yeah, of well, course. George, yeah. George W. Bush was not a great student, and if Yale decided to name a building after the former president, it would be no surprise. you'd have some objections at Yale probably to people who are mad about the Iraq Plus, War or whatever else, but you'd also go, look, guy's former president. What yeah, are you do? and who cares about his grades when his personal accomplishments, not just his personal accomplishments, but also the commitment he's shown to the university and to, you know, right. the financing of the university and to the, you know, infrastructure at the university has been huge. So. Now, it is right. interesting now if you made him a, a kind of grotesque bump steer of the year cover, that I would draw the line at that. They're gonna put do a not big, do that. A big statue of him stepping in shit and throwing his hands up in front of the, the academic building. It yeah. is interesting that they're naming such an iconic building after him, I think. I mean, it's it's a very prominent building, very beautiful. It's it just turned a hundred. It's a, mm-hmm. a very historic building, and they're just basically saying, "This is like our main building on campus. This is our Rick Perry building." I mean, that's quite an honor. I, well, mm-hmm. I, to come back to the grade thing, I mean, I think the for a lot of people, the irony is we're naming the academic building after mm-hmm. a guy who, right? Not the you know, oh, what was this major again? Farm science or it was an ag animal, was an, animal husbandry. Animal husbandry. If yeah, they were he, naming the animal husbandry facility after Rick Perry. Yeah, well, but the, you know, even the so. academic building is not even you know it, now it has some uh, it has a few department offices and it, it used to be the library. I mean, you know, things change, names change. It's not the end of the world. People probably still call it the academic building the same way we still call Ladybird Lake Town Lake. You right? know what? Democrats probably didn't like the fact that National Airport in Washington got renamed Reagan Airport. No, they hated it. And then the, you know what? When it comes, to, they, they at the end of the day they go, I don't want to drive out to Dulles, and so they still fly <laughs> through the airport. <laughs> I think at the end of the day, this is not a big controversy. This is just going to be, and and I kind of have a hard time arguing that A and M, if it wants to, shouldn't name this building for the governor. So what? He was governor longer than George H. W. Bush was president. He also just got named for a balcony in Austin. He's been governor <laughs> longer than Fair. Franklin Delano Roosevelt was president. Yeah, but he, Franklin Delano Roosevelt doesn't have a school at A and M. There's a Roosevelt. You got me there, somewhere. Reed. <laughs> Reed. <laughs> so we're not too we're not too horrified by this. Evan isn't. I just it's like please. There's so much Ross else to be. Definitely there's isn't. so much else to be worried about. You know, Ross is actually dumbstruck. He's struck <laughs> silent by the discussion of this. He can't even say a word. Uh, Come on, Ross. Per- Speak up. In addition to getting his building, Perry is going to be doing the convocation at. Uh, address at A&M, and he's also planning a He'll speech. He'll make a little plug for his building there. <laughs> he's planning a speech before the legislature, I believe, uh, in January, before he heads out of town. What do you think he'll say at it? What's, what will be his farewell? 
So this is quite this is pretty unusual uh, that he's going to do this and that he's asked for, you know, the House and Senate to permit him to do this. I mean, I think it'll be a swan song. I think it'll probably be an opportunity for him to talk about his legacy and also to try to put his mark on the coming years by saying, this is what I hope you all do going forward. I think it's a pretty good move. It's a low mm-hmm. risk thing for him to do because it's not like he's wading into a Democratic controlled legislature where they're going to all sit on their hands and not applaud. These are people who are, on the one hand, probably very supportive of the policies that he put put in, maybe not entirely, but mostly, and the economy that he'll brag about is an economy that has helped them run and win, run for and win offices over time. They've been able to talk about the health of the economy as a reason to be elected. And again, I think they and the governor are on a lot, almost in every case, they're on a similar page on, on all the big issues. Uh, and at the same time, they're probably also not entirely sorry to see him go and move on to you know turn the page and have a new governor and everything else. You know, time for new leadership. And I think it's just a, it's a good thing for everybody to let, let him come and give a speech and 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 then do his valedictory and, and go. I don't I don't think there's anything untoward about this. It seems actually from a political standpoint. I think kind of a smart move on his part. Well, and also gives him the opportunity to control the messaging, for, you know, ahead of national media yeah. that he may get as he's pondering the legacy his piece of Perry's future. life as governor is about to be a, a, an active topic. We and others are probably going to weigh in on this pretty aggressively and and in detail over the next little while. And uh, he wants to get out ahead of that. And so the speech will. Be- well, he's coming out. He'll he'll be getting out behind it. I think. Well, he may get out behind it technically in the sense that some and of us, and pre- that his speech some, will come after all. Well, the some of us write-ups. in the press will weigh in, but the point is, really, he wants to write his own farewell. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a smart. This is smart for him. Well, what do you think? I mean, Emily, you've been reading sort of our write-ups of Perry's legacy on various topics. What do you think his legacy will be if, if you were going to pick out? the highlights. I mean, I think there's there are a wide range of of highlights, but I think obviously, you know, foremost probably in his mind and in, in ours is the state's, you know, economic track record. I think that will be the what he campaigns on if he runs for president. This idea of the Texas miracle that you can debate one way or the other, but clearly the state's economic success under his uh, tenure will be at the forefront. Uh, I think, you know, he will uh, leave with a track record on immigration that is sort of um, compassionate, blended with sort of a shifting perception over time of the security of the border. Um I think from an energy standpoint, uh, he that probably doesn't get full credit for this, but wind energy has just been explosive in Texas under his tenure. Uh, and then there's sort of the flip side of the coin, you know. Oh, the he, appeal of wind, wind energy is that it was not explosive. Uh, all right. Fair enough. However, it's working. Um, you know, I think the Trans-Texas Corridor uh, debacle will follow him. I think there are key uh, – let's see. I think, you know, the decision not to expand Medicaid will will follow him for, for years to come, I think. You know. Of course, but his, his own perspective on that will be damn right it didn't expand yeah. Medicaid. What of it? It's us versus the feds on almost every level. Um, it, it, it is, but I, I'll sort of tie this back down to a particular political aspect of this whole emerging – presidential bid. So Jeb Bush all but announcing he's intending to get in the race. I think what you're going to hear from Perry absolutely is the conservative legacy, not just the Perry legacy, because what one of the things that people like Perry are now going to need to do is to say, subtly or not, this is the record that I put forward. Strong economy, but also, you know, opposed Common Core. You know, Jeb Bush is is thought to be more sympathetic to Common Core. I, I have not gone squishy on any of 
uh, the issue, immigration, you know, Jeb Bush, Jeb Bush talking in the last year about immigration, illegal immigration is an act of love and getting a lot of criticism from the right wing well, of Perry's, the party. Perry has his heartless, know, heartless, heartless comment. Right. But I think that you're going to hear Perry talk in terms that will attempt to not only cast his legacy in the best light, but also differentiate himself from anybody who may be running for president and may seem to him or to his supporters to be squishier on some of these issues. Mm-hmm. And I think, honestly, his attitude on Medicaid is going to be, yeah, I didn't expand Medicaid, whatever. We just had three governors of red states since the election, Republican governors, expand Medicaid, uh, Wyoming, Utah, and Tennessee. No sign that there's any move to do that in a state with the most uninsured people in the country. And there's a certain amount of pride in not doing that. So I suspect that's going to be something he's proud of, mm-hmm. not to apologize for. You don't think you don't think the heartless thing will follow him into his next presidential bid? I mean, this he's really been. I think a lot on, of on defending that policy. Although it sounds like the legislature very well. Legislature might is going to disagree that. with him on that yeah. almost certainly. Well, and four years is a pretty short time in the scheme of things. I mean, all of those video clips are still right at the ready and will resurface easily in any kind of second presidential bid. Mm-hmm. So I think those those elements absolutely follow him. I do think his sort of strength or show of strength on these border security issues of late has helped to mollify some of his, um, you know, critics on the immigration issue. Anything else that uh, we're still I mean, we're still waiting to see how his whole indictment thing turns out. No matter how what you think of that, he is sort of the first governor to be indicted Since. in a century or so. Mm-hmm. And been a whole yeah. lot of talk about Rosemary Lindbergh lately. No, I mean, I, well, point. and it's, again, you know, the calm and calm and calm before the storm. I mean, these things take so long that, you know, we may not be seeing any real motion on this, any real news on the outcome of this case for a long time. But we'll all be back in 2015 to trip it? about it some more. I think this is it, unless Ross has something to say. He doesn't. He rarely does. Do, do you have some final thoughts that you want to share? I have no final thoughts. Is this the last trip cast of the year? It's the, it's the last one that's not a special. We have two mm. special trip guests coming up to round out your Very year. Very special. You can listen to while you're avoiding your family. Well, good yeah. job this year, Reed. Oh, yeah. Thank yeah, you. Thanks. You too. Really, you guys Steve. Were great. Yeah. Except for Ross, but don't tell him. Uh, on behalf of Emily, uh, Ross, who's gone missing, Evan, and our producer, Todd, this is Reeve. And I want to remind you to send questions and comments to texastribune.org. Um, and our email, which is what? Tribcast at org. And happy holidays. And we want to thank Shiny Ears for doing our music. Happy Hanukkah with two Ks. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. You know, because I, I, most of the time I spend in my house thinking to my children, you need to be more like Todd. <laughs>